Jace, if you wouldn't mind going to the Instagram slide. If you have your Bibles with you or your phone app, we'll be looking briefly at Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 33. Before we begin, raise your hand. I'm going to start off. Raise your hand if you've got a Snapchat. Okay, y'all are, that means y'all are getting old. What about uh, Instagram? Who has Instagram? Okay, I'm going to see fewer hands. What about the old ancient Facebook? Okay, represent, represent. Twitter? What about Twitter? All right, now it's going to be a time where you got to take that humble hat off. I'm going to ask about followers, okay? If y'all know that, y'all are too concerned about followers, but I want you to answer. Instagram, raise your hand if you have more than 100 followers. Okay, okay. No judgment, just a little bit. I judge you a little bit. Uh, Raise your hand if you have more than 200 followers. All right, some of y'all following people you don't even know now. Raise your hand if you have over 500 followers. Are you buying followers now? Okay, raise your hand if you have over 700. We have some famous people here. I didn't know we have some. Okay, raise your hand if you have 1,000 followers or more on Instagram. Okay, okay. I'm going to get to my top one, and i got to meet you afterwards. Raise your hand if you have 1,500 or more. Goodness, okay, y'all are popular. Or you went to big schools. Okay, 2,000 or more, so you can't have more than 2,000. Okay, okay, 2,500 or more. Stat, what's your name? What's your, I want to know your name. Goodness, Whew. We'll follow him on Instagram so he can get 3,000. That's, that's clout, right? <laughs> okay, I, like I said, I'm going to judge you a little bit. Is that okay if I judge you right quick? Give, say yes or no. Can I judge you right quick? Yeah, yeah. And you can judge me too. I judge you in the, I judge you in the name of Jesus, okay? Uh, what happens if today you delete your Instagram account and you lose all your followers? What about those who have, you know, you're doing a side hustle and you've got some business? Would you be mad if your Instagram account got hacked and all the... All of your friends were deleted. Who'd be mad? I'd be mad. Trust me, I don't, have, I don't have a lot of followers, and I'm not really keeping track. My wife does that for me. She's my, uh, I would say, my marketing media strategist, consultant, whatever you want to do. She does that for me. She keeps telling me that she wants to merge a Facebook. Anyone married and have a merged Facebook in here? Nobody? Okay, that, so that, that's, somebody has it? Okay, so that's telling me maybe I should not do it, right? But followers on Instagram, followers... We're all following somebody, and if I were to ask you one-on-one, do you know all the people you follow on Instagram? You may say, of course I do. Of course I do. I came from a 6A school. Of course I do. I was starting. Of course I do. But do you really? I know I told my wife last year on Facebook, I said, look, the people I don't know, can you go and just delete some, some people on Facebook? And I went there, there too. And if I haven't spoken to you in five years, I still love you in the name of Jesus, but I kind of disconnected you. You know what I mean? So I had to sift and clean, but following through social media, the term following and the cost of discipleship, to follow somebody is so easy today, right? Friend request, you see in their bio, I don't know them, they look cool, pretty good bio, they're probably copied and pasted off someone else's bio, that's plagiarism, and um, I'm not, you know, and then they probably put a verse, a lot, one of their life verses, you're like, hmm. Okay, question that verse, right? You may be the person with the verse. I'm judging you a little bit. Is that okay? A little bit. But you may be the person like, heck, I don't even know who I'm following and who's following me, but we all follow people. And it's easy. So-and-so sent you a friend request. 
follow. They better follow you back. If I'm, you know, if I'm following you, you better follow me back, right? If you're not, I'm going to just I'll go ahead and unfollow that. That's how it works, right? If Jesus had an Instagram, how many followers do you think Jesus would have in that first century? Twelve, right? When his cost of discipleship is high, right? Jesus wouldn't have been popping, right? He wasn't begging. But if Jesus had an Instagram, you ever thought about that? You think he'd be taking selfies? No, right? You think he'd be taking pictures of his favorite food? Welcome, welcome. You think he would be doing that? It's easy to follow. And for us this morning, where I'm taking us is the concept of following Christ. We may have fallen to dangerous territory. We've fallen, we've fallen to a Christ that's not Jesus, and we've made a concept of Jesus who's not even biblical. Following people is easy. But Jesus, as we read in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 33, the context is this. He has been performing miracles, healings, food, some fish, some bread, right? And Jesus begins to detain a crowd, okay? Imagine if you had your Instagram followers following you in real life, flocking, you know what I mean? And half them people don't even know you. I'm not judging you, but I am. If they were following you, and Jesus, they said, who is this Jesus? I want to know this Jesus. He's doing all this good for the city. He became popular. Jesus, at this moment, he has a large crowd, and if you had a large crowd following you and you had a, a pregnant pause kind of moment, right, to say whatever you could to say to them, here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, Yes, even in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down and first deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against with 20,000? And if not, while the others yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, in verse 33, if any of you who does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. You would have thought Jesus would have said something different. You would have thought that. That must have shocked the crowds. What? You're telling me, Jesus, I can't just get the miracles from you? I can't just get the blessings from you? You're telling me I have to give it all up and follow you? Yeah. People were more interested in what Jesus offered than who he was. They had missed the point. Spiritually, they wanted all the benefits of Christianity they wanted that church membership. They wanted that status on Facebook or Instagram. They wanted that community reputation. But they didn't want to follow Jesus. They wanted him on Easter and on Christmas. So you can dress up when you go to church on those two, 
days out of the year. If not, people will judge you dressing up on a regular old Sunday church, right? But this crowd was shocked that we see the invitation here that Jesus leaves no room for negotiation. He leaves no room for negotiation. He says, this is the standard here. The foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus, I want to follow you, he says, but let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. Who are you following? Which Jesus are you following? Have you created that Jesus in your mind that says, I want to follow you, Jesus. But, but first, Jesus, before I follow you, make sure I can get good grades. If I follow you, you got to ha- make this happen for me. Good grades, Jesus, I want good grades, and I want a, a cute boyfriend or girlfriend. Someone say amen if you're looking for one. If you're single, raise your hand in here. Single people, raise your hand. Okay, good luck, good luck. I got your backs. Okay, be careful. You're praying, Jesus, I'll follow you, but I want influence. I want popularity, Jesus. I'll follow you, Jesus, but I want my degree. I want to finish. I want good career. See all this? You're bringing us up to Jesus. I'm going to follow you, but on my terms. Jesus, don't make my life hard. I'm going to follow you, but I just want to get my fire insurance set back. I'm going to let those other super Christians do all that stuff, all that religious stuff. Which Jesus do you follow? A Jesus that you follow that has not cost you nothing. You have reduced the grace to being cheap. He leaves no room for negotiation. You may say, well, that sounds harsh that he says if any Anyone comes. See that invitation? He looks at the crowd. If anyone who does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I don't hate my mother. I don't hate my father. I thought I hated my twin sister uh, and my little sister. You know, you, I've, we've been through those times where we got in arguments where I just didn't like you. And uh, they still ask for money today. I still love them, though. I don't, do you think I hate my babies? I have, I've got a Brielle. She's going to turn three in December. And Arya, uh, she's just turned one and a half. And uh, imagine a ham right now. I want you to all envision a piece of ham. She is my ham. I pick her up. She's just a ham. Do you think God is telling me to hate her, my babies? No. Don't hear this morning that God is saying, hate your mom, hate your dad, hate your kids. No. No, right? He's saying this. Who's your first love? I can only lead my household if I love my Lord deeply. Right. I can only lead my wife if I love my Lord deeply. If I'm not connected to God, my marriage suffers. Then my marriage suffers and I put my kids before my marriage. If I put my kids before my marriage, my wife gets neglected. If my wife gets neglected, then we have emotional barrier. If we have emotional barrier, we become roommates, right? If you're, when, you're, when you're married, you may go through that. I've been there. I'm not going to lie to you. It's tough. But he leaves no room for negotiation. This is what he says. Whoever does not bear his own cross, come after me. He cannot be my disciple. Oh, isn't just this too much, Jesus? Give me a break, Jesus. It's just... Too much for me. He says, no, no, no. This is the standard which I'm calling you today. 
He says, this is a standard, and when you live in a society that is pre- preaching a, a prosperity or a name and a claimant or a Jesus that makes it so easy to follow, or a false gospel, you create false converts. We're called to be disciples and disciple makers. He cannot be my disciple. You're called to carry your own cross. And many of us are carrying on crosses this morning. You're paying your agonies. Jesus, he humbled himself in becoming obedient to the points of death and death on the cross. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is God, the glory of the Father. Not only that, has anyone played Monopoly back in the day? Monopoly. This is the old school board. Anyone play on this board? Yeah, yeah. Okay. When I used to live in California, this was, I moved back in Hutch in 2020 of March. So my parent, my, my siblings live in an apartment, which is way too small, but we were in a hotel. On Christmas time, we would play Monopoly. I have a twin sister named Mary, and I have a little sister who's named Kika, Francisca. She's 27, but she's still stuck at 15. That 15, you know, you got a little brother. Who's the baby in here? Raise your hand for the baby. Okay, okay. Well, I'm not going to say Mary's not here. She'll probably not listen to this. I don't have a favorite, but uh, I do have a favorite. Guess who won the Monopoly games? Do you think Mary, my twin sister, won? Say yes or no. No. You think Francisca won? Or Kika? Who won the Monopoly games? Why do you think I won the Monopoly games? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't worry. If, they, if I have an altar call on Sunday, I'll be up there. Well, I'll be up there for that one. Dude, you don't want to play me in the Monopoly. Why do you think I didn't cheat? I leveraged, okay? I leveraged relationships. Now, who was my partner in crime? Kika or Mary? Neither, come on. My twin sister. Who's the twin in here? Yeah, okay. Twins, anyone else? All right, all right. Okay, so here. Mary, if I killed somebody, she would help me bury the body. Okay? She loves me. I'm not, you know, don't look my back run up. She, playing Monopoly, I would give her the eye, the nod, and she slipped me a 500. My little sister be winning, slipped me another 500. Mary, Mary was so, I don't understand how you making money. I said, I wouldn't go for days. I, come on, we've been three hours at this. I've always won. It's a good real estate model for those in business. Single-family housing, multifamily, jumping commercial. Monopoly teaches a business, right? But here in Monopoly, what I'm saying is, you can't pick and choose what you're going to follow. You can't. Jesus has a standard. He calls you to lose your life. He says, I am the way, the truth. Now, I'm not a way. He says, I am the only exclusive way to God the Father, the one that can provide salvation for the sins of the world, who has atoned for the sins of the world, who has appeased the holy wrath of God and satisfied it on the cross. Now, through that death, burial, and resurrection, we have life for those who call on him, for those who repent of their sins and turn to Jesus. You turn to Jesus and you deny yourself and you follow him. Jesus not only leaves room, no room for negotiation, he calls us to transfer ownership to him. When we follow Jesus, I'm saying, I am done. I can't do it 
For by grace through faith you are saved. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. If you were, raise your hand if you were at Fields of Faith. Yeah, yeah, okay. Is Taya Wilson in the building? All right. Well, tell her I gave her a shout out. Follow her on Instagram. She said something in her testimony. And Jorge Garcia in the building? Oh, come on, come on. I should have. Come on, guys. Y'all set me up for failure. Give him a shout out. Maybe he has the Instagram. She said something in her testimony about when she was talking about how she came to Christ. And she said, Salvation is not about us, it's about God and His glory. And I gave a little amen. She didn't hear me. I said, Amen. Come on. I said, come on, Taya, let's go. I was like when I was hearing. But Jesus calls us to transfer ownership. When I follow him, I am denying myself. I am picking up my cross. I'm so, saying no to me and saying yes to God. My life has now been bought with the blood of Christ and saying, Lord, whatever you have me, whatever you have planned in my life, I am going to do. And let me tell you something. That is the scariest thing someone can do. I was running away from God. I'm going to let you in. I'm going to let you in my house right quick. I was running away from God, still not fully surrendered to ministry, still serving in the churches, and still caught up in career in California. I was doing this and that. I was not fully surrendered because I said this, God, I'm going to get my career straight, my household straight. I'm going to put church right... Plan B, okay? Let me tell you, that's not a good place to be. I was, my time in California was great, but I was spiritually miserable. I was miserable. Still leading a church, empty, miserable. What got me last year was May 25th of last year in a sermon Dr. Roy J. preached, are you putting a question mark where God has placed a period? God took the word and pierced my heart. That morning, I said, Lord, whatever you have for my life, I'm done running. I have a household. I've got two hams. I've got a beautiful wife. I entrust my household to you, my babies to you. And if you got babies, you guard them with your life. I give you my household, Lord. I give you myself. How can I spend the rest of my life serving you? After that time, doors opened for me. But it was scary. God, I'm going to give you it all. God, I don't know what it looks like in the future for me. And I don't know what it looks like in the future for you. But if you're willing to transfer your ownership of your life to Christ, it's not going to be easy. It will cost you. It will cost you relationships here. Well, this person's too Christian for me. Or she's gone AWOL. Or, or it's just a phase. It may cost you. It may cost your relationship you're in that you know it's not pleasing to God. And that's not honoring to God. And you may say, this is, I need to guard myself. I'm not glorifying God through this relationship. No matter how good you look on the outside in the image you're representing. It may cost you some relationship with mom and dad. Mom and dad may not understand it. They may not understand your faith. But be patient and love them. Give them grace. They may not. They went off to Sterling College. Became a Christian. And when you go back home, you feel disconnected. And maybe you've been praying about your mom and dad and witnessing the mom and dad, and it's awkward when you go back home because you know you may enter that conversation, and it's tough. Let me tell you something. My mom, I'm just trying to minister to her. 
You remember uh, early on in August, I told you a little of my testimony. I was abused growing up by my mom, so physically abused, and I, I know I'm not alone in this room, and uh, for 10 years, I hated her, and I know what this mean, her, hate meant. I hated her. Um, four years ago, I came there, you know, called her, said, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to come visit you. Uh, I walked into the home where I was beat at growing up, and I said, I forgive you. I, I forgive you, and why did I forgive her, the Lord, and this conviction? If I'm going to give Jesus my all, I'm going to forgive. Why? Because he forgave me. I look at what's occurring in my life. How dare I not forgive? When Jesus died for me, he died. I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I'm the most wretched man. I don't deserve it. So when people tell me, God, why are things happening in this world? Why are bad things happening to my household? I ask them this. We don't deserve nothing. We deserve hell. We deserve hell, but this. But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, he died. Jesus died. And I'm following him like Oh, he didn't do nothing for me. I'm following him like it looks a good jewelry on my cross. I'm following Jesus like it's just, ah, he's just there on Sundays. I'm following Jesus half-heartedly because you're afraid if you give your life and transfer ownership to Christ, you're afraid of what will happen in your life. Your life will flourish. It will explode. You will experience joy, patience, kindness, self-control. You'll experience Jesus in fullness, radiance in Christ's nature, happiness. But it's going to cost. Jesus not only calls us to transfer ownership, he deserves our supreme devotion. It's hard. It's hard following Jesus, but he is the one leading us. His right hand sustains us. I don't have to do the work. I just have to simply be obedient to his word. I'm going to follow you today, Jesus. I don't know what drama is going to go on today. I don't know if my name is going to be slandered today. I'm going to look to you because you're the guarantee and the perfecter of my faith, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you even mom and dad don't agree, agree with me. They think I'm crazy. I'm going to follow you if I'm the only guy in the baseball team or football team or, or track team or golf team that really takes my faith serious. I'm going to follow you despite what people think of me. I'm going to follow you because some people aren't giving grace. I'm going to follow you because I'm a new person in Christ. In Christ, I'm new. People may say things about us, but because I'm in Christ, I'm going to walk in sanctification towards him. He deserves our supreme devotion. When I was a youth pastor at 18, I had a, a sophomore. He led him to, I led him to Christ, and he brought, bought him a brand new vehicle. He worked all summer. He loved the vehicle. He started drifting away. He was one of the stronger people in the youth group, very, very strong and uh, began to drink a little bit. Uh, began to invite people at the church to drink. Small town, 300 people. I, I told them, hey, I said, I love you in the Lord. Watch out. He, God will discipline those he loves because he loves you. Uh, we were having a church meeting about Falls Creek. Get a phone call. A car wreck happens. I drive to the scene. Uh, praise God that the vehicle was hit only a few inches from his passenger. Uh, he had a beer and they were drinking. After that, um, he came to the office that following. When he was healed, God, he told me this. My car was my idol. 
I didn't care. God took what I adored the most so I can devote myself to him. Sometimes it looks like when the cost of following this Christ is when we devote our supreme devotion. Whatever is in front, whatever is your idol that you've created, whatever has your heart as a believer, God says, I am a jealous God. I want to know you. I want to use you, but if there's something in your heart that's elevated and above God, he loves those and he disciplines those he loves. Do you think I would ever let my babies walk across the street by themselves? One of them got a spanking the other day. I'm not going to tell you which one um, because they tried to do that. I love her. In fact, I love her. God loves us more. He, he loves us more. Jesus is calling people to follow him in discipleship. He calls us to follow him in discipleship. And if you're in here and you're thinking, well, I don't know. He says, count the cost. He says, count the cost. You're not going to go to war with people. You're not going to build something and not have nothing to finish it. But you're going to count the cost. It may be uncomfortable. It may stretch your faith. He says, count it. But he's inviting people to follow him in discipleship. We looked at last week that his, we're yoked with Jesus. He leads us. He sustains us. But the standard is here. It's not going to be here where we've reduced it to, I'm going to follow you whenever you, it feels good, to, it feels good for me or uh, when I want to keep up with Jesus or it looks good for my reputation. He says, I want your whole heart I want your whole heart in full devotion to follow me. There's a book I've read a couple times. I love it, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. Our theme this year is the Great Commission. And, and, and as you go, and we're looking at, as I live my life in my platform, in my setting, that I'm making disciples, period. I'm making disciples. And how does that look like in our lives? There's a quote he says, he says, when Christ calls a man, he, comes, he calls them to come and bid and die. He says, come and die with me. This morning, is God calling you to come and die? For whoever would save his life will lose it. For whoever loses his life for me will find it. We were unrighteous, undeserving. We've all fallen. We've all missed the mark. And for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But this, God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were yet sinners, he died. As you're considering your walk with Christ, look at his death on the cross. His victory of the resurrection. That should be the reason that you were spurred to get out of the bed and fall in love with our Lord, and to read his word, and to be in prayer, and to constantly have Christ in the forefront of your mind and your hearts. If we want revival, it starts with self-denial. It's not about us anymore. It's about God. It's not about Sterling College. It's about how God can use Sterling College and make a global impact. Get our name out of the way, God. We just want you to move, and we want to be a part of that. I want to join God where he's working. Don't you want to be a part of God's global movement? And you are. The cost, he says, come and die because he has died for you. He's died the death we deserve. 
And because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart one is justified. With the mouth one confesses and is saved. But the best part about it is you heard last week. You come to the Father. You run back to the Father. But count the cost. Count the cost. Count the cost. When Christ calls a man, he says, come and die. So I'm asking those this morning, who will come and die? For me to die is to gain Christ. I consider it all rubbish, but to know Christ, that's what Paul says. If you want to make a decision for Christ, I'm going to be up here. If you want to talk more about this, I'll be in my office. But I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, and I just want you to spend some time in prayer. Just asking God, God, how can I follow you more? How can I place my faith in you more? God, how can I be a disciple maker? And if it looks like for you, just saying, God, I'm sorry that I have not been the Christian I shouldn't have. Confess that to God and say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to continue now. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, that the death of Jesus, we have life in Jesus. It's because of Jesus, you are so worthy of it all. All creation glorifies you. We want to be a part of where you're working, Jesus. We should consider the cost of discipleship. It won't be easy. Oh, but to eternal glory, all to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord in his temple. I pray for the person here that they want to come and die and follow Jesus. They will confess Christ as Lord. Lord, I believe that you are Jesus, the Son of God. I believe that you lived the sinless life. You died the death I deserved and you rose in victory. I grace your faith. You are my Lord and Savior. I begin my journey this morning with you. In Jesus' name, amen.